Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast with another physical human being for the first time in, since March. It's bizarre, isn't it? Like this is weird. Stepping into somebody's house and being greeted with a sanitizer, <laughs> as if I'm a kind of dirty, <laughs> dirty animal going through a sheep dip. I do feel like we need a plastic screen or something here, just in uh, case. In case we get too animated. Those big cuddle curtains. Yeah, See those yeah. One of them, so we can I mean, I don't, want to, I don't want to touch you. <laughs> Steady on. Oh, I'm going in. Forget it. Um, have you uh, got over the fact that Villa was still a Premier League club? I feel like I'm going to ask you this for the next couple of weeks now because I'm, I'm still not over it. I don't ever want to be over it, to be honest. I kind of, I don't, you know, what we said, it's kind of a normal service resume now. So yeah. uh, it's bizarre, isn't it? Because it's not a reason in itself to celebrate. But I think I tweeted last night that Villa have actually finished eight places above. In the football pyramid, they finished yeah. eight places above where they finished last yeah. season. So I'm saying, if you do that next season and the season after, it means champions. <laughs> so it is... Ste- steady on, steady yeah, on. I'm, I'm not getting carried away, but it, it's progress, isn't it? And, it is. You know, I, I don't think there should be kind of champagne corks popping uh, or open-top bus parades. But yeah. considering that Villa needed kind of miracles, snookers, whatever it was to get out of that situation, I think we're allowed to, to bask. Yeah, of course. Um, bask for a few days more. Yeah, I tweeted. I tweeted the screenshot of the document I put together. Actual notes as well for a podcast this is unheard of for this channel. For anyone who's been watching, Do you want to publish those? And I, that's what I mean. I had to tweet it just to prove <laughs> that I'd done some notes. But when you look at the the red and the uh, the red and the yellow before lockdown of just defeat, 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 draw, defeat, draw, defeat, and then at the end you've got a couple of greens at the end for, for wins and a couple of draws. It it was then or never, wasn't it? And we'll get on to you know the, the how how it all unfolded later on in the podcast, but. It still feels like it, it was a miracle. Seven points adrift at one stage. I was watching, um, obviously we were all watching the match on Sunday and Robbie Savage had to have a little bit of bitter blue nose uh, <laughs> punditry before the start. Somebody saying how Villa have improved since lockdown. He was saying, well, they haven't really improved since lockdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've improved. They've only improved you know, in the last three games. Arsenal Arsenal and, yeah. Which is fine, but it's all about timing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's better to have improved than when you had to rather yeah. than at the start and then fall apart. That's it, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So... Um, yeah, it's it's nice nice to see that little bit of green that represents yeah. wins. Uh, not, green shoots of recovery. Yeah, not many, but enough. It's enough, isn't it? Yeah, it's enough. <laughs> um, so for this podcast, we're going to kind of have a, have a bit of a debrief and look at the season as a whole because it kind of feels like the playoff winning season, that it kind of felt like two seasons. You've got the Steve Bruce part and then yeah. the Dean Smith part. You've got the pre-lockdown part and the post-lockdown part. It feels like a totally different season when you look back at the results I asked you yesterday when I was putting this research together when did you think that Kevin Friend thing happened at, Q- uh, at Crystal Palace and I kind of felt it was like Christmas time for some reason yeah, I, well, got, I don't fact, know why the fact that you asked me that <laughs> it's just weird I know you were thinking something stupid it was right? August it's like that feels such a long time ago that it doesn't feel like this season do you know what I mean yeah it's, <laughs> uh, it, it has skewed it slightly not quite not it's probably peculiar to you. Everybody yeah, yeah. else probably still got sure. some kind of grasp on reality. But, um, oh, I'd fully lost it at that point. So Yeah, it just definitely does see, seem like um, 
BC, as in before coronavirus and yeah. AD, after Douglas Louise's <laughs> remarkable recovery. Um, yeah, okay. yeah, slightly contrived. Just a bit. Um, shall we start with the summer transfer business then? And we'll kind of we'll touch on the whole... So basically, this podcast is this season. We're going to do another episode, which is going to look ahead to what we need to do for next season. So I think okay. we'll kind of deconstruct what worked and what didn't okay. in that episode. But generally speaking, 12 in. How did you feel at the time? Because we, we didn't start the podcast till November, and I wasn't even working here until September. So the whole start of the season, our opinions aren't on record <laughs> anyway. So what were we thinking at the time? <sighs> Christ knows. Um, I think that looking back, I think probably excitement that Villa are in the Premier League and that they seem to have a recruitment policy that was looking to the future, that yep. was signing players, which we hope would have a either value to Aston Villa over a longer time, time frame or would have a sell-on value. Uh, I think at the back of my mind... Hopefully I'm not reinventing this. Hopefully this is what I thought then, rather than with the benefit of hindsight. I remember the the summer recruitment of Paddy Riley, Hendrik Almstad, Tom Fox and Tim Sherwood that led to relegation. And there were all these kind of exotic new names. You were, you were thinking, crikey, you know, they've been tearing it up in a league lesser than the Premier League. Let's yeah. see what they can do on the Premier League stage. So there's always that that kind of at the, the back of my mind. You know, it's all very well having excited, talented players. How are they going to gel as a unit? Uh, you hope that the core of Mings, McGinn, Grealish would be enough to kind of mould them together. Um, but I think it was excitement. I think I was kind of blinded by yeah, blinded yeah. by a big... You know, we all get... get it's like Christmas, isn't it, when, a, when a, a transfer comes along. So if you've got 12 presents under the tree rather than <laughs> just a couple, it, I think we're all, all got a little bit bit carried away yeah, uh, yeah. and I'm hoping that like that team that, that went, got relegated in 2015-16 individually a lot of them have proved to be, be very good players so yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that that will be the case but the, the improvement and the kind of you know the, the year long slog of a Premier League relegation battle has actually made them better for the experience yeah. rather than us sharpening them all up yeah, yeah, sharpening yeah. Douglas Louise up so he can go back to Manchester City sharpening Jack Grealish with another year on the on the clock so he can I'm hoping that Villa <laughs> reap the benefits of, of, of what's yeah. been a real kind of a tough tough battle of a year yeah like I said we'll kind of deconstruct the, the ins and outs in the uh, in the recruitment part of, of the podcast that we do when you look at August you've played five I've included cup games in that so there's one cup game versus crew four Premier League games you look at that and with one win in the league and three defeats on paper, you think that's pretty bad. Whereas if you look at the fixtures, we were leading against Tottenham. Yeah. You got an early penalty against Bournemouth and Douglas Louise does a little step over and, get, and they, score, they score two. The Crystal Palace game was August. That should have been a draw. Yeah. So on paper, on reflection, that's not a bad start to the Premier League. And I think there was still reasons for optimism back then. I think there was. And I think, again, looking at it, the benefit of a, of a year to review it now it's almost knowing the outcome that we stay up so three defeats doesn't matter yeah it's almost (laughs) as if kind of that that first game uh, is kind of the opposite effect of what happened over the season whereas Villa started well in that game and then had a sucker punch and lost late on whereas it's we've had the opposite haven't we it's kind of been a slog it's been a slog it's been a slog and then kind of pulled pulled, um, survival from the jaws of relegation um 
Yeah, I think he, I think the thing that encouraged me about the first month is that Villa looked competitive in games. Yeah, I thought I thought the Bournemouth game for probably what an hour seventy minutes of that game was probably as strong a performance as we mustered during the first half of the season. Yeah, um, obviously it was an early indicator that this this team could shoot itself in the foot even Tom Heaton who went on to become kind of one of the more responsible kind of mature performers you know threw one in didn't he yeah. threw a mistake in that day um, but yeah I think it, I think it, it encouraged me that Villa aren't going to get turned over or battered out of sight on many occasions yeah. that can be competitive and I think for the most part that was the case I don't I think Villa even in, when they're on a drastic run of defeats there weren't too many times when they weren't in games yeah. at some stage. Yeah, there was periods where we were where we had started the podcast around Christmas time, I think. And even though we were, I don't know whether we were in the bottom three at that point, we were still saying, "Oh yeah, we're in most games. We still yeah. feel like we're we're not far away from yeah. from getting results here." So it wasn't kind of there was no compare in comparison to the year that we went down. There was there was never a period this season up until as very recent as the Man United game yeah. where we thought oh that's it it's over yeah. you always thought well, there's still something where Villa might pull it out of the bag here um, so yeah you kind of you do look at that month and think well we've kind of like you said shot ourselves in the, in the foot against Bournemouth we beat Everton in, in a great night out at yeah. Villa Park and then the, the Kevin Friend thing happens in Palace so on reflection that's that's not a bad start to the season No like I said I think it, I think it showed that Villa <clears throat> Villa had arrived it showed that there was some talent in the ranks with you know yeah. I remember being probably more impressed than I am over the course of the season but Freddie Gilbert I thought we've got a player we've got yeah. a real athlete and he seemed to get it he seemed to get the kind of the English mentality if you like he seemed, seemed to be a warrior yeah. and there were, there were little signs like that you thought actually yeah we've got a chance I mean Wesley was still getting pelters quite early early doors but I thought <laughs> he turned up on that, that, that night against Everton yeah. Um, bullied defenders scored a goal um, ran his socks off you know put his body on the line um, so they're just kind of things I think at that stage when there's still so much of the season to be played you, you, you do cling cling for the for the positives yeah. I think when you get halfway through the season and you've seen you've got a, you know a body of evidence before you think oh crap <laughs> and also if we'd had gone down we'd probably be looking at that going oh if we'd have just beat Bournemouth yeah. then if, if this didn't happen if this didn't happen yeah. but because we know that the ending of the story is Villa style from yeah. last day it's like oh well yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter um, in September you've got one only one win and that was the cup game against Brighton um, but the, the main kind of standout fixture there is that Arsenal game that was the kind of turning point where you think if we just hold on to these games where we where we go ahead Tottenham, Arsenal you've got Villa go one and up through McGinn Arsenal get a red card in the first half and yeah. you don't win that game and that's when you start thinking oh, okay maybe Villa don't have what it takes to, to cut it in this league yeah I mean that that game particularly was was a you know a bitter one to, to swallow um, as we've had to with, with several several times when Villa you know forced the issue against the, the better teams and then just kind of crumbled yeah the thing that I, I took from from that one was um, you know I think by then as well even in the other games, we thought, you know, we've, we'd heard this talk about Jack Grealish. Is he, is he good enough? You know, he, okay, he's like a kind of 15-year-old kid playing against a bunch of eight-year-olds in the championship. But <laughs> when he steps up to the Premier League, how will he cope with the big boys? And yeah. I think, you know, just that Arsenal game, he was just kind of drifting past players as if they weren't there. And I think people were starting to suddenly kind of realise that, yes, as Villa fans, we're biased. We've built up Jack Grealish to be this kind of Messiah-like figure. But... 
actually is a bit decent, isn't it? <laughs> I think people forgot because Villa have been out of the Premier League for three years. Yeah, everyone else, yeah, yeah. The, the wider world didn't realise kind of quite, quite how good he was. So I think, although we weren't picking up points then, is that how many games did we play? We only played two league games in September. Uh, three. West, we drew to West Ham, lost to Arsenal, and then drew to Burnley. The Burnley one was a was a, a shocker as well, wasn't it? There was, there was a VAR thing in that as well, wasn't there? Yeah, I think so. Um, didn't oh. we throw away throw throw away a lead? Didn't we throw away a two goal lead? Possibly. We should know this, shouldn't we? Yeah, I should have done the research. <laughs> and I've done research for some games, but I know there was a obviously there was the VAR thing in, in the Arsenal game with the handball that wasn't given in the eighty eighth minute yeah. or something. And you think. Obviously, you only would have got a penalty and we might have missed anyway, but that gives you the opportunity to get a point there that you hope you could have got. We had the Crystal Palace thing two weeks before. Yeah. Then something else happened in the Burnley game, but I've not done the research to remember what. But I kind of I thought maybe because we drew that game that that VAR, VAR, VAR decision didn't matter in the end because it wasn't drop points. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't <laughs> expose our ignorance and our lack of research by dwelling too much on that. Yeah, uh, but again, it, it felt like a missed opportunity yeah. on the day. And at this point of the season, you're now looking at it thinking, okay, we won one game in in seven or eight, yeah. and we're, we're starting to throw throw games away. Yeah. I think at that stage, you know it's a relegation battle, where yeah. you probably believe the hype um, through throughout June, July, and early August that you know Villa can finish 12th, 14th comfortably. Yeah, because the start of the season... Goes both ways, doesn't it? We had the year under Lambert when we we were unbeaten in four or something. Yeah. You think, oh, here we go, and then it still turns into a terrible season. Yeah. So that you can't, you're never going to judge it too much from the start. But by the time the end of September comes and you're 18th with one win in the league, you do think, oh, okay, this is going to be difficult. Yeah, it was definitely, definitely. I think that that Burnley <laughs> game just that you got the feeling that kind of it's going to be a slog. This is yeah, and so it proved. We've got the the cup going on at this point, the League Cup. Um, how did you think of that at the time because obviously we got the, the Wolves game in the cup in October which obviously we won because we got to the final spoiler alert but did you were you kind of in the mindset of oh this is a distraction or this is something to go for it's horrible you know because I'm quite old fashioned and traditional in terms of a kind of you know there's only so many prizes that you can go for you should yeah. be should be going all out to, to win whatever you can um, but I kind of because the start of the cup coincided with you thinking Oh, this is going to be a real a real battle. Probably was a secondary thing, yep. to be honest. Especially um, in the early stages of the competition as well. You 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 rotating the team a lot, aren't you? And you're playing Crew six one is a yeah. game you'd expect to win. Brighton we beat, and then you beat Wolves, and I think probably after that Wolves game, when is that the quarterfinal after that stage? I think you start thinking, okay, well maybe this is something we can take seriously now. Yeah, I think it starts to open up then. Um, <clears throat> but at that stage. Like, I feel like a bit of a sellout for saying it. I feel it's a bit of a kind of modern fan thing thing to think about yeah. Premier League and nothing. Um, but I think, as we've found all the way through the season, we know how important Premier League is just for the kind of the infrastructure of the football club, the quality of players that you can keep, the quality of players that you can attract. Yeah. So it did. It took you know it took precedent. Well, we're jumping ahead a bit. Because if we'd have gone down but got to the League Cup final. Yeah, it's irrelevant, isn't it? Even yeah. if we'd have won the thing, it'd yeah. have been great to win a major competition. But in terms of the, the like you say, the infrastructure of the club, winning the League Cup isn't going to do anything yeah. to attract players if you're in the Championship. Yeah. Still taking it there. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. We'd, obviously, we jumped ahead a little bit. We've we've uh, glossed over two Villa wins in a row in October. Oh, Telepathy, <laughs> aren't they? <laughs> Norwich one, Villa five. A Wesley brace. Villa look a bit more confident, but obviously Norwich are dreadful and finish bottom and then beat Brighton again in the league this time yeah and just wonder if, if Wes had got the hat trick then if he'd have scored the penalty and gone you know it'd be 
challenging Vardy and Aubameyang for the, for the golden boot, wouldn't it? Um, I think you look at those now and you think maybe this is where Villa start to, to turn the corner, but it doesn't really... I mean, with, again, with the, the benefit of hindsight, that, that isn't the case. But you do think... I think that was that Norwich game was the first game I started working here, I think. And right. I wasn't there. And I remember thinking, oh, that was the first game I'd not watched or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I've, this is all right going to these other games if Villa are going to win every week. And then we win the following week against Brighton. And I was like, yes, Villa, Villa look good all of a sudden. And it's like, oh no, okay, back to reality. Man City are beating us 3-0. Yeah, I mean, that, that seemed like important results because we <clears throat> imagine that Norwich and Brighton would both be down there yeah. with us. Um, so it did it did seem like a big breakthrough and it almost felt like kind of, yes, at last, the performances that we've, that we've been putting into this point are actually going to be good enough against some teams to, to yeah. get enough points on the board. Well, yeah, because um, you you're not judging it against the top teams, are you? If you yeah. know you're going to be in a relegation battle, you want to be making sure that you're the best of... Yeah. the bad bunch at the bottom yeah. so when you beat Norwich comfortably and then Brighton the following week you think oh yeah fine yeah. We'll, we'll probably be okay here yeah it's the tallest of the seven dwarf syndrome again isn't it <laughs> pretty it's much it's kind yeah. of making sure that you like you say you're the kind of best of the rest really what well, do you remember about that Man City game because I was I remember being sent on a shoot to we were doing a piece in a pub somewhere in Birmingham yeah. so we were watching it and it was on TV and we were wearing the green kit I remember that weirdly for some reason and I remember watching it thinking oh we're not doing that bad here in the first half and because we'd won the previous two, you do think, oh, well, maybe we'll sneak something. And then Man City turn it on. And it's like, <laughs> you've had it several times, haven't we? It's like kind of, I don't know, it's like a, a crap analogy time again. I think it's like a, a punctured tyre. And as soon as that, as soon as that goal goes in, all of a sudden... The wheels come off. Well, not, not quite, <laughs> but they, they certainly kind of, it certainly goes flat. Um, and I think it, it's like that. It's been hard. I think it's hard for a kind of young, inexperienced, newly promoted team that's had a lot of individuals thrown together. Yeah. How do you cope with setbacks? Until you've had setbacks, how do you know how you're brave enough to cope? Yeah. And I think it's that, and I think we've seen that that time and time again where, you know, Villa have either got themselves in front and then defended resolutely and just when that that blow comes, you can just see the energy um, kind of sap out of them. Um, I think the Man City game was was a case in point. Villa thought if we're at our absolute best today, and, and Man City have an off day, we could get a nil nil here. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as you can see, as you soon go, you can see that's now. that plan out the window, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think looking ahead, the next two fixtures were. I think the first point we started the podcast by this point, and I think these were the first two games where I kind of thought this is the, the point where things are starting to go badly wrong. Yeah. Villa versus Liverpool were 1-0 up till the 87th yeah. minute against the on to, to, they go on to be the Premier League champions um, do well in both games against them to be fair and then Wolves Jed Steer goes off after 8 minutes or 10 minutes or something Nealon comes in and we look absolutely devoid of anything against Wolves and you kind of think with Liverpool well they're a top side they've got great players they've sucker punched just later on you kind of can deal with that a little bit but Wolves yes I know they go on to have a good season but you still think local derby we had a couple of wins in the previous month if we're on form here we can nick something and to just go up and show absolutely nothing at all was the first time where I was like okay I'm now getting a lot lot more concerned yeah I think um, different games to me because the Liverpool game um, no Jack Grealish that day and Villa yeah. kind of got the noses in front and played, but a very controlled performance in. And you know we've been told ahead of the game, and, and so it proved that Liverpool are this kind of this really kind of super efficient steamroller who will just kind of 
roll over everybody in front of them. We think, well, actually, no, we look, look really competitive here. Uh, the game was game was notable for for the it being my, my daughter's one and only ever Villa game when a squirrel <laughs> ran across her feet. I remember that in the, on the podcast, uh, yeah, in the Trinity Trinity Road stand. Um, but yeah, again, it was. Um, I don't know. It's. I, I feel like I dig out Jonathan Codger too much over this game. But we're one nil up. Codger comes on as a sub, <laughs> and gives the ball away, fails to pick up a man. Um, and, and Mane, you know, Mane just loves playing against Villa, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, so he, he had to score the winner. Am I right in thinking he was the kind of um, the boo boy that day as well? Because um, I can't Did he dive remember. or something. I think he'd been booked for a dive or a dodgy dodgy tackle or something like that. And, and he. You know, you know when you get the kind of villain of the piece and everybody yeah, whistles and boos yeah, every yeah. time they touch the ball. Yeah, it rings a bell. Just had to be him who scored the winner. Um, so that was that was um, <clears throat> a kick in the taters. Uh, <laughs> Nicely put. The Wolves game was just, I thought it was embarrassing. You know, yeah. we had the bad luck with, you know, Jed Steer being injured in the line of duty just by doing his job and saving a goal. Yeah. Um, Falls into the post, doesn't it? Yeah. Side net or something. And I just thought, I think there's another injury. Well, wasn't it Matt Target got injured fairly, fairly early yeah. on? It was the Neil Taylor Adama Traore yeah. show, oh, uh, part yeah. one. And it was just, I remember in the build-up to the game, we've obviously got a couple of Wolves, Wolves fans amongst the team, and they're talking about doing a combined Villa and Wolves 11. Yes. And I hadn't seen enough of Wolves uh, and I'd got my kind of claret and blue hat on so I'm kind of putting players I'm, I'm making sure there's a fair share of Villa players <laughs> in this 11 and then I've looked after the match and kind of a lot of my mentions is going mad with them all kind of taking the mickey and stuff like that and I'm thinking yeah you're probably right I probably could have at Jack Grealish in that team <laughs> and 10 Wolves players about it, yeah. to be honest so it was just we just outclassed and that was a, a kind of real kind of humbling moment that yeah. you know Wolves are top end Premier League Aston Villa bottom end Premier League and you know kind of we live kind of black countryside don't we kind of, <laughs> yeah. so we kind of you know probably well there's more Villa but there's still you're still going to encounter more Wolves fans than you are Blues fans so yeah. it was just it was a hard moment to take <laughs> that was um, thing is though it's it's a lot like you know when we say about Dean Smith as a manager he's very kind of level headed he's never too high and he never gets too uh, low I feel like that embodies what Villa were this season as a, as a club because we're looking at these two fixtures Liverpool and Wolverhampton uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers I've never said Wolverhampton Wanderers but I've written it down <laughs> like that Wolves and you think oh this is disastrous but then the following two games you beat Newcastle in a massive game where we, yeah. ha- we had to win uh, Steve Bruce comes back to Villa Park yeah. and then you draw two all against Man United and you're ahead in that game as well and you kind of think well one week we're thinking this is the end of the world and then two weeks later you're going oh actually Villa aren't that bad yeah. and then you follow it up with more defeats so we're never kind of there was never a period where we're like yeah we're going to be comfortable we'll be okay or we're oh no we're absolutely going down we're always just kind of in this limbo of we're not quite good enough but we're not terrible either I think it's that just seeing that after Newcastle on, on your diagram or on your your, your list after Newcastle fifteenth place, so that sounds yeah. sounds comfortable, yeah, doesn't it? I don't um, know what the points were, but yeah, I've put yeah we were fifteenth after November, which is I think the highest point this season. Probably on par for where we probably thought we should be, yeah, uh, and thought that our spending spree would have justified being. Um, so yeah, and then it all goes um all goes a bit wrong after that. Yeah, it does. <laughs> um yeah, the Man United one was interesting. I think that was the first away game I went to with, with work. Um the Grealish goal. We what played was the food like there? Decent good, pies, yeah. Good duck of curry pie. Yeah, yeah nice. Um, Best thing about staying in the Prem. Yeah, good hot chocolate <laughs> as well, like a little Man United <laughs> cup. Um, but yeah, we go ahead in that game. I think Ming scores as well. 
uh, to level it, I think. Um, but you kind of think, like, yeah, Man United aren't the Man United, especially back then. I don't know, they finished top four in the end, but they, you know, they're not the Man United of old. And you, yeah. you do think, oh, could have, could have got something there. And like I say, you just go from thinking, oh, it's the end of the world, they were terrible, and then you think, oh no, there is signs that, yeah. that there is a decent, there is a decent side there. But then, like you say, you follow it up with three defeats in a row, four defeats in a row, besides a cup game against the Liverpool kids, and it all feels doom and gloom again. Man United won. My enduring memory of that one is probably I've never really appreciated an overhit Anwar Al Ghazi cross quite <laughs> enough because Grealish still has something to do. Yeah, yeah. with that when he's he's kind of hit oh, it. What a goal! Yeah, and again it was um, mixed emotions in it because you're thinking, well, yeah, that's Jack. He's our player. He can do that, but we don't really want you to see it. Listen. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, Back then, certainly, Man United were a bit, a bit shaky. Uh, so, I think this is this is a frustrating thing, and we'll, we'll we'll touch upon the rest of the season. So many times, Villa should have capitalised yeah. on like, Everton a couple of weeks ago. Everton didn't have anything to play for. Yeah. Villa should have gone and won that game. You've done the hard, but you've got in front. Go and win the game. Manchester United on a bit of a downer at that stage of the season. You've got in front. Go and win the game. Yeah. And I'm getting ahead of myself now, but I'm hoping these are the thing, lessons that have been learned. How do Villa become streetwise? How do Villa manage games better? Yeah, um, we've certainly seen that in the in the last four games for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Clean sheet against Arsenal, for example. Yeah, no, well, uh, exactly. But I think you know, to me, and we'll get onto this in subsequent podcasts, is you do need more leaders to emerge from what's gone on this year. Yeah, and you do need to recruit more leaders now that probably comes at a price because you're probably talking about established Premier League players um, but we'll get to that later <laughs> yes we will um, kind of I'll skip ahead from the Liverpool Cup game because yeah nice moment but it's against the kids 5-0 whatever yeah. um, there's three three fixtures there in the Premier League that at the time we looked at and because we were I think we dropped back down into the relegation zone again after the Leicester defeat I would have thought Um you look at Southampton, Norwich and Watford, there's three games where you think there's three winnable games there and Villa come out with one win out of three. And that's, again, a, a point where you seriously think we're in trouble here because Watford beat us 3-0. Yeah, I mean... I've kind of forgotten about. Just briefly, I mean, the the home defeat to Leicester was was a wonder yeah. for me because I think um, I'm right in saying that Villa went 1-0 down and got back level, I think. Or got back to two one. I think. Anyway, there was there was a moment in that game where you thought, okay, we, yes, this is, this you are is, right. Yeah, this is game on again. Um, and then they turned it on, didn't they? And yeah. Fardy outpaced Engels or something, was it? Yeah, yeah. It was just you know, it was the, the moment where Tyrone Mings was a bit too brave, stayed uninjured. Yes, against yeah. the worst, the worst opponent, worst centre forward to to be injured against, and yeah, just. That game plus Sheffield United away was newly promoted Sheffield United. We're all looking, isn't Chris Wilder brilliant? Why can't we do the same as what Chris Wilder's yeah. done? Um, and they absolutely, you know, they, they kind of took us apart that day. Um, and then, yeah, that you're approaching Christmas time then. And it's. I think Watford was Boxing Day, wasn't it? I think. Uh, or the, or the game before New Year's Day? Yeah, I think it was. Norwich was Boxing Day. Watford was like the 28th or whatever that second fixture is. Yeah, so the Southampton one, first of all, McGinn. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting because McGinn, to me, was the player of the first couple of months of the season. I think even prior to his injury, he was 
we're saying, oh, he's beginning to fade a little bit. Shall, yeah, shall we rest him? him? Shall, yeah, we, shall yeah. we bring him out the firing line? And then he goes, John McGinning into that challenge. Um, and you think, oh, no. And we've uh, over time, we've thought, actually, we'd rather have a, a kind of a 75% fit John McGinn. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was just horrible because Southampton, that, that kick-started Southampton's revival. They didn't yeah. really look back after then and we did we we were really um, really panicky then and the Watford game the 1-0 win against Watford was a bit of a kind of war of attrition Norwich, um, Norwich. sorry Norwich kind of, yeah the Watford <laughs> win comes a bit further the Norwich the win over Norwich was a war of attrition but Villa got over the got over the line yeah um, thank God I think we're saying weren't we at that stage oh they need to get seven points from these three games yeah yeah got three um <sighs> That Watford one was poor. Yeah, it was terrible. Um, I think was, that was Pearson's first game. We just he'd just gone there. Yeah, the knowledge person effect was 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 beginning to to take hold from that game. Um, I remember being down in Watford, not for that game, to go and see Harry Potter World <laughs> with yeah. my family. And um, nice Christmas gift. I bought some wand or something in the um, in the gift shop at the end, and it was like I don't know. 30 quid's worth of tat or something like that and my son was with me and he got his um, he got a villa top on and the kid behind the counter was a Watford fan and I'm like oh god I don't need this almost need to kind of expel Armisen with the one <laughs> turn um, him into a toad so that was it yeah so it was just um, it was just grim it was just grim it kind of ruined Christmas and New Year didn't it a quick mention for the January business then we bring in somatics we need a striker because Wesley gets injured on New Year's Day Um Louis Barry signs, Boyer Baston signs, Drinkwater on Lowen and Pepe Rayner. One of those five has been decent in Rayner. Yeah, and I know we're going to touch upon in, like I say, in subsequent podcasts of, of kind of what's done for Suso, but I think that January that, lack of activity yeah. is probably going to um, going to be a big one. Now, listen, Villa's, Villa's plans were changed um, at very last minute because of those two injuries. Um, yeah. At Burnley, with obviously Tom Heaton and, and, and Wesley both being stretched off with, with serious knee injuries. So that's fine. I can understand why Villa were kind of playing catch up, but there should be continu- contingency plans and what happens in this eventuality and stuff like that. So uh, I wouldn't want to kind of let them off the hook yeah. too much as a result of that. Um, drink water was, was a strange one because I think a fit. Danny Drinkwater probably could still offer something, but for him to have to kind of try to play his way into match fitness in the middle of a yeah. of a relegation battle, and we just beat him Burnley, and he's not playing for them, and we're thinking, well, if he can't get in their team, he's not going to play for us, is he? And who's he replacing as well? You know, the midfielder that we've lost is kind of this high energy, yeah. kind of you know this box to box man, and Drinkwater was never going to be that, so that was, um, you know, that was a a bit of a of, of a kind of. Um, a no-no. Then we joked, didn't we, that you know that, that deadline day we were all a bit delirious working in the office, yeah. kind of getting the pizzas in, work, all working 15-hour shifts. I know, it's, listen, I know we've got to be lucky to do the jobs that we do, so I'm not a late on too thick. But we, we joked, didn't we, did a, did a podcast at about midnight or something saying yeah. maybe he's the saviour. <laughs> oh, what a know. silly comment that and is. And then we're seeing all the kind of Swansea fan reactions saying, okay, good luck with that. <laughs> um, they told us. Yeah, we were warned. Um, 
you know, 18 minutes later, <laughs> he wasn't the saviour after all. Those Baston Villa punts um, didn't didn't amount to much. Um, who else? Um, well, we'll, we'll, like we say, we'll come on to the, the transfer stuff in, in, yeah. the, in the second podcast that we do. Because ironically, I think that was our most successful month in terms of results because yeah. of the two cup games. We've got the cup semi-final against Leicester, yeah. uh, which obviously we drew the, the first leg, beat the second leg, beat them in the second leg. Uh, beat Burnley on New Year's Day and then the massive one in there is beating Watford in, yeah. in the last last seconds of, of the game with Conce's effort deflecting off Mings's ankle or whatever it was yeah. um, gloss over the 6-1 defeat by Man City because well, <laughs> you kind of think as much as bad as that is it's still Man City and we've, we've managed to get the points in, in the games that you expect to well the Watford game felt significant didn't it because we had you know in our previous home game we had been given an, an absolute battering uh, I'll never forget that Villa trying to pass the ball out from from the back and then picking out Sergio Aguero. <laughs> Courtney House picks out Sergio Aguero and then okay. Um, <laughs> so the Watford game was the next time we were, we were back at, at Villa Park, um, and yeah. you know Troy Deeney had scored. It felt horrible. They were you know. Ben Foster was forgetting how his mother had told him to, talk, to tie his laces back, game, as a, man. back as a young boy. Um, Martin, Martin Atkinson wasn't kind of re- wasn't keeping a grip properly on their time wasting, and it just felt it just felt so so sweet yeah. um, for that last minute goal. And ultimately, I know we could say any of the points that Villa picked up along the way were the ones that kept them up, but ultimately. Villa got three points, denied Watford any points on that evening. Yep. That's kept Villa above Watford and kept Villa in the, in the Premier League. Um, and I think you tweeted, didn't you, the other week, the um, or the other day, the, the conflicting moods between Conza when he thinks he scored that yeah. winner and Conza when he's told by Sky, <laughs> by a brutal Sky reporter, that no, it's Tyrone Mings. That kind of sums up the kind Life of gamut of emotions, fans, doesn't yeah. it, this year? Yeah. Um, the Cup game as well. That was, that was a big moment again when you think this is a turning point for Villa. Yeah. We've got a point away at Brighton after being battered by Man City. We beat Watford. We get to the cup final with another last minute yeah. goal from, from Trezeguet, our, our friend, friend of the show. <laughs> we're in the month in 16th place. And you think, right, yeah, we're, Villa are getting somewhere here. And then you're going to lose to Bournemouth again. But even then though, I think I, I think I probably called it. You can probably go back through the archives or through the tapes. If Villa score, it's my son's first season ticket or first half a season ticket as yeah. it transpired this year. And I said to him then, because I'm a cynical old man, I said, Villa have scored a last-minute winner against Leicester to get into a cup final. Scored a last-minute winner against what a relegation <laughs> rival to kind of try and kind of lift our, our heads above water. This is going to come at a cost. <laughs> There's going to be an almighty price to pay for this. Yeah. Um, and A winless February is what we got. That's what we got. You know, I kind of called it, you know, Mr. Negativity here has nailed it. I mean, there's a real, there's, that's a real kicker of a month there when you look back on it. We, I mean, my memory's a bit more fresh now. We get a bit more recent. This feels like this season now. Yeah. The closer we get. Bournemouth, giving them six points is, I mean, in the end, didn't matter, but ridiculous yeah. and almost cost us. The Tottenham game. Oh, I wasn't there through illness. I was watching on TV. That was that week and Engels just put your foot through it and we, we get a, a nice point there against Tottenham. And then again, Southampton. We played well as well. Yeah, we, we, Even when play we play well. well, we conceded, conceded three yeah. goals. And that, was, that was the kind of point back then. It was like, well, we're, we're, we're trying our best. Like you, can, yeah. you can't fault what we're trying to do here, and it's still not enough. Yeah. We're, we're losing three out of three in February. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the, and of course, that was the last home game. Well, that was the last home game we saw Villa play. 
that Tottenham game, yeah. which is ridiculous, really. Yeah. You know, the, my last memory of being at... Well, mine was the cup game. So yeah. I was Ill, yeah. I've not seen a Villa game in, in a Villa Park since January. Yeah. So for that, for my, for my enduring memory to be that ball slipping through Engels' foot, um, <laughs> yeah, it's bleak. And and then my memory of the um, the Southampton game, it's that breakaway goal at the end, isn't it, where the Gilbert's yeah. kind of running in his own channel and not getting across <laughs> to, to close down. Well, we can laugh about it now, thankfully, but there's been some poor moments in the season and, you know, it's no, you don't look back at it and go, God, you know when you look at teams you think oh they, they underperformed that season or they, they've got a squad better than where they think yeah. we've very much deserved to be finished <laughs> 17th at best by a point <laughs> yeah. yeah I think a point flatters us we should have probably yes. stayed up on goal difference I, I tweeted at one point probably after Man United maybe um, it might have been when Watford and, West, and who was it Watford and West Ham played each other I think it was after then I, I watched some of that and I tweeted all four of us including Norwich we all deserve to go down here. Like, we're all awful. It's just that one of us is going to be slightly less yeah. awful than the rest. And I'm very much thankful it was Villa that was... It's so sweet, isn't it? To less, be not quite as crap. Just that, to be marginally that, less crap that, than everybody that else. That is it. And we've said it a few times, haven't we? If we were just slightly better than, than awful, we, yeah. we'd have been comfortable in 13th or 14th. Yeah. But we just about yeah, got... How boring that had been, though? Oh, in hindsight, yes. But <laughs> my heart could not take it. Um, cup final was March was the first of the month I think yeah. we drop into the bottom three that weekend because of we, we yeah. missed a fixture um, not going to kind of go into the game too much it was a nice day out we all had a good time we gave Man City a, a decent go we didn't lose 6-1 like we did in the the, yeah. the, the league fixture um, most people would have expected Man City to win that anyway and we, we kind of come out of that feeling like the boys done us proud there that they've, yeah. they've, they've done okay some out of scores a diving header you think I yeah, thought the bloke thought played well. You know, maybe there's something decent there. Nakamba yeah, played well in that game. Came well, very close to grabbing an equaliser late on. That's yeah. the last time. You know, Ash has been the one who's been lucky enough to be at the stadiums representing us. So that's the last time I've seen Villa in the flesh. Time. Not a bad memory. Yeah, to be honest. It's all right. uh, didn't know then when I was battling to find our way back to the coach part that I wouldn't see Villa again for, <laughs> for another three or, three or four months. Um, but yeah, I think listen, it sounds a little bit kind of a little bit lame to say they did us proud and it was a day out, but it probably has to be filed away as that now. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, you know we've we've been lucky enough to get to Wembley lots of times during a bleak period for Aston Villa. So make sure next time we go there, it's not in a playoff final; it's in a proper final. <laughs> and and next time we go there, we win. Yeah, and hopefully we'll all be allowed in there to watch it as well. That'd be lovely, wouldn't it? Not not too much stressful, um, but yeah, the last game before the, the coronavirus pandemic hit was the embarrassing four 0 defeat away at Leicester on the Monday night, I think. So again, we dropped down to the bottom of three, then we play last after everyone as well get humiliated on TV. Pepe Reina goes walkabout, and in the podcast after that, I go Pepe Reina should never play for Villa again. So hold my hands up. I'm glad that he contributed to our uh, survival in the end. But back then, I was thinking, for an experienced goalkeeper, what are you doing, mate? It's embarrassing. Yeah, it just like say epitomised Villa's um, capacity to kind of <coughs> shoot themselves in the foot, really. Um, you know, in hindsight, that game should never have been played. Yeah, um, it probably <laughs> genuinely should never have been played. To be honest, because by then the, the country should have been in lockdown. And um, you know, I think it was ridiculous the fact that they were still planning to play the following weekend yeah, fixtures. Yeah. And if, if um, that would have been Sheffield United, wouldn't it for us? Chelsea, I think we played. Oh yes, Chelsea. Right, yeah. And if um, Sheffield United, we missed. If Arteta hadn't final. got coronavirus on that that Thursday night, yeah, we'd all been at Villa Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah mad. 
Let's not get political, though. <laughs> don't um, think people come here for that. No, I don't think so. I think people come away to get away from that. Um, so, yeah, the, the, obviously, we, we've gone into the, the pandemic in depth over during while we were doing it we tried to podcast the best we could but there's nothing to talk about for three months which was yeah which just was what you need to do now is just cutting a little bit editing a little piece here just kind of <laughs> i don't know Tara means on an exercise bike or something or <laughs> yeah. alice samata on a rowing machine um, but we go into that 19th and there's the whole debate of does football even come back do we avoid uh, the season what happens when we come back so we've got a game in hand and Obviously, there's, there were so many different talking points. But when football does come back, we do look different. And even though for the first, what, one, two, three, four, five, six games of the ten, we don't even win and we look still doomed, we we are still kind of thinking there is a glimmer of hope somewhere in there. And at the time, that felt a little bit deluded almost to think, oh, well... Yeah, I'm not sure I shared a glimmer of hope, to yeah, be but when we're looking I've... at it going, oh, we've only lost 1-0 to Wolves, that might be important because of goal difference. Yeah, it was a bit like we are you being young and naive, that is, I'm thinking. But in the end, yeah. I was right. Thank <laughs> <laughs> too used to it. Um, yeah, I'll, I'm... Pro- Again, I'm probably more man in the pub here. I'm thinking Villa should have gone out harder to have gone and won that Sheffield United game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and fluke the lead against Chelsea probably should have been a little bit more. I don't know. I just thought got the goal, sat back, invited trouble. Um, yeah. Thought played quite well at Newcastle. I thought Wolves just showed a we showed a lack of ambition again. Um, I suppose we'd better talk about Hawkeye, hadn't we? Yeah. <laughs> I love this uh, this debate. I've seen a few things come out over the last couple of days of petitions to have yeah. Bournemouth versus Villa relegation playoff and for Bournemouth to be suing Hawkeye. Well, it's funny you say that because actually some points. talk about that today. But it's, um, it's not going to happen though, is it? Well, if, you, if people want to visit Birmingham Live, um, <laughs> Clank. there's um, a big interview with a, a football lawyer who talks about so what, what is the latest then Can, is that a serious possibility by the way I think I think there's a possibility that they could at least seek seek to do that Bournemouth and Watford um, yeah. from from the bits I read in this massive kind of lengthy transcript <laughs> full of legalese from the lawyer um, the prospects of it actually coming to pass look quite grim right, okay. quite bleak uh, so it's filler, isn't it? You know, we can't just have this kind of period of six weeks of <laughs> of, of rest and relaxation. There's got to be some, there's got to be some kind I mean, of spanner in the works. We joked about it in the post West Ham podcast, I think, about you know VAR decision. You think you want to kick off as soon as so they can't. Yeah. Go, I want the season to start now before yeah. they say, "Oh, actually, by the way, filler, you've been relegated yeah, because of a, a legal a legal dispute." That's not going to happen, I don't think. I think it opens up a massive can of worms with kind of claims and counterclaims, and then yeah. you've got the kind of VAR kind of discrepancies and you know fingers crossed is not to be a, a massive stinging sting in this tail I don't uh, think there will be I think like you say it opens up a massive can of worms because then surely Villa go back and say well what about our point at QPR I don't think you surely, surely Villa have got kind of more money for their legal bills anyway because they're a Premier League team true other than Bournemouth they've got to, got to kind of spend, spend their um, parachute payments yeah and what about the penalty that we rode against Arsenal as well, yeah, to, we, to try and equalise. Can we? How far do you go back and say, "Oh, actually, by the way, this was wrong"? Can we go back because that, that, that they've admitted wrong decisions throughout the season? Yeah. And yes, the, the the Hawkeye thing was a goal for Sheffield United. Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh, it wasn't over the line." We very much got away with one, but 
I think it was if it was on the other foot and maybe we'd gone down in Bournemouth's position, we'd be, we would be fuming about it. But That's it. We'd all be looking through our, our law books then, wouldn't we? It swings and roundabouts, isn't it, in football? I don't think you can... Uh, can you... I don't know. Oh, I don't know. It is, it is a minefield. Let's not talk it? about it. Let's not draw attention to it. Let's, let's not talk about it. Let's, <laughs> let's move on. The only thing I would say about it... It's just because is, you can't, you've can't. you played a 38-game season, you can't just say that was the point because you could say, well, we hit the post in this game if that well, had gone in. If Villa would have conceded a, that goal in that game and it had been given, then it would have affected how Villa approached the rest of the exactly, game. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So Villa could, it could have thought, oh, you know, crank Villa up to a level. I'm probably wishful thinking here, but crank Villa up to a level. We think... Not only did they get, a, get a, a, a draw out of it, but they, they kicked on and got a you know yeah. got a win. So that's the difference with the argument with the, the Palace thing for us. When people say, "Oh yeah, but you had the Palace VAR thing," yeah. that was the last seconds of the game. Yeah. The, the ball went in the net. That should have stood, yeah. and that would have been a point game because Palace had no reply. Yeah. As you say, with Sheffield United, I don't know what minute it was in, but it was in the first, first half, half, wasn't yeah, it? So towards the end of the first half. There's yeah. no reason why Villa don't come out in the second half and win 2-1, yeah. and we survived by three points. The thing that's most amused me about Hawkeye is that some of my mates who are non-Villa and some of my kind of people who have added me on Twitter kind of anything that I put about Villa survival it's like Hawkeye this Hawkeye that you're thinking I quite like it to be honest I just, well I don't mind it but just the thinking you're clutching yeah uh, you know, if all your Nealand had been, a best, been as good at clutching <laughs> the ball <laughs> As some of these non-Villa nice. people are at, at clutching for straws, then uh, it wouldn't have been a debating point anyway. But so, yeah, you know when Jack Grealish talks in interviews about he likes being kicked, he likes being the villain, he yeah. likes being booze. It, it kind of rolls him up and gets him going. I quite like that we're the the villain in this scenario. I don't, I don't Villa become care. so hated though. Is I mean, it because we I mean, are people, we have got Deleuze Grandi and we also give, give it big all the I time? I mean, there'll be opposition fans watching this now, super you in over the fact that we're kind of so smug about this situation, <laughs> but. I don't care. It's what it is. What it is, isn't it? I, I quite like it being the kind of everyone hates us because all the local sides hate us anyway. But now you've got Brighton fans or whatever chipping in, going, yeah. "Oh, Villa should be ready." Yeah. I don't care, mate. I don't. Wish Leeds hate really. us now. Bournemouth hate us because of relegation. <laughs> um, I just like that. I quite like it. City's quite amusing, doesn't it? Um, so we've, obviously we've talked a lot about the project restart stuff because it's been games in such short succession these things happened literally less than two weeks ago so kind of rather than going in each game yeah, by game yeah just rattle through it kind of Wolves defeat bad yeah, Wolves defeat bad <laughs> Manchester United defeat bad but that's the one Villa goes seven points behind before they play Crystal Palace and it is that's the moment where we sit on Facebook Live and go I think Villa are done here was that the point where you thought, because that was the first time I sat and actually thought, right, we are doomed now. There's no way we get out of it. Before, people are going, oh, losing to Chelsea, that's, we're down now. Like that, When did you kind of think it's all over? I think the, the Man United one was it. You can imagine if you were like cutting it for a film, it would be the kind of breakup scene, wouldn't it, where you'd have the kind of people crying and on their own and you'd have kind of moody music, um, almost like accepting it. Before they had their epiphany and going yeah, to win. Accepting that they were, were, were breaking up with the Premier League that night. And I think it was, you know, again, it was one of those where Villa started quite brightly, hit the post, looked like they were actually up for the game. And then the penalty on decision. the receiving end of the flakiest penalty yeah. decision, which has changed that game. Yeah. Um, and that seven points, like we said at the time, it, it seemed like uh, Mount Everest, didn't it? Trying to, they hadn't won in probably ten. Uh, uh, I think it was ten games they hadn't won in um, by then. So the prospect of, of, of kind of trying to overturn that seven point deficit was just. <laughs> 
Yeah, nice one. When I think at one point we were talking about um, if we stay up, would it be a bigger achievement than getting to the Premier League in the first place? And I said no then, because with the um, I think it was before that point, the Man United game, I was saying, well, for Villa to get promoted, they had to win ten in a row. There was no choice to to get to the players; they had to do that. Yeah. Um, winning eight in a row wouldn't have been enough. They had to do the ten. They had to win in the semi final and get to the final and win that. They've yeah. got no choice. So to get promoted was the bigger achievement. But then Villa get to a point in the in the Premier League season where they have to get uh, what is it seven points, eight points, three, six, seven, yeah, eight points. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Villa have to get at least eight points yeah. to stay up to overturn this seven point gap. And you're thinking, well, they're not going to do it. So the fact that it got to that stage again where Villa have to do that as the bare minimum and they still managed to do it, it is the bigger achievement enough to stay in the Premier League than it was see, to get I don't, I don't see one, one, one outweighs the other. I think both, under difficult circumstances, <clears throat> and again, we'll talk at length about this in future, but Dean Smith has inherited a coach in John Terry who was thrust upon him and yeah. a sporting director. A collection of players. We don't know how involved he was. We don't know which one in all either. the recruitment. A kind of a fan base that is desperate for something, for anything, to pick it up off his floor, off the floor. And somehow, between him and the set of players and the coaching staff, they've managed to pull both things out of the bag. Yeah. So I, I find it difficult to separate them. I take them as a as a whole, really, to get Villa in the to get Villa up to the Premier League and keep them in the Premier League given all these kind of factors that have been swirling around I think Dean Smith can and I saw the picture that he, that Jack posted with them both beaming the heads off the other day I think the pair of them and Villa collectively can be can be very smug and very proud that they've been able to kind of achieve all that against the odds Yeah So in contrast to my previous question when did you finally realise or believe that Villa were safe? Probably when <laughs> They were having that group huddle on the pitch and all getting updates from the Emirates from, from the Arsenal game. I loved how they were like, don't celebrate yet, don't celebrate yet, when uh, Watford had scored two goals away at Arsenal in like a minute. And it's like, oh, come on, we are safe. We can celebrate now. Yeah, but so I think like, no, wait, you better to be safe than sorry, aren't you? I mean, just the, you know, we won't dwell on it because we've spoken about it a lot already, but so Villa, so very Villa to yeah. get that goal. Give yourself that breathing space and no sooner have you stopped hugging, the ball's deflected over Pepe Reina. Um, I think it was 100 seconds I saw somewhere. So that's why I wouldn't... I got. I allowed myself and my son to celebrate Jack's goal. That's why I would, I, I, I would not allow us to celebrate until the final whistle. So I, I gave it a bit of a fist bump when we scored, but it's kind of, uh, stay calm, Yeah. pop out a tweet. <laughs> Professional heads remains on. Um, yeah, I think... I think it was just before the final whistle, but only literally like 30 seconds before. Yeah. I was like, nah, they're not going to I'm gonna score now. Like when we've got the ball down in the corner, McGinn's kind of putting his, his backside into people. It's like, they're not going to get the ball for me and go up and score. Like that's going to take 30 seconds. Like, that's surely not going to happen. So I was like, yeah, we, we've done it. And then the final whistle goes and I was like, well, Watford aren't going to score. So yeah, celebrate. Yeah. If Watford only needed one, yes, wait till the very last seconds, but they needed two. So happy days. Oh, against still, all the odds still uh, all a bit surreal the, isn't it the start at one point that we were a 7% chance of staying up you would you know you'd have been stupid to look at that and go well I still believe yeah. 
I still believe. I think that was after Man United. We were seven seven percent chance. No, down. listen. So, I'm, my name's Matt Kendrick, and I'm a cynic. <laughs> I'm a confessed cynic. So I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm, I doubted you. I'm, I'm glad we can sit here and have humble humble pie and and look at embarrassing clips from after the Man United game when we're all down and depressed and talking about championship planning because yeah I'm more than happy to be proved wrong and look like an idiot and the people in the comments going you've got to stay with it till the final day that those 1% of people out there that were saying you've, you still give it a go I'm very much happy to, to sit here and look stupid but we didn't give up well I didn't give up until Man United some people gave up well before then yeah. so there's not going to be a single Villa fan out there now thinking oh I'm, I'm unhappy that Villa didn't prove me wrong Yeah. Um, so yeah it's just it does seem it was the impossible the impossible job wasn't it the great escape whatever cliche you want to throw at it we needed seven points to, to close that gap to even get it down to goal difference the fact that we get eight and stay up one point on the last day is peak just, filler just yearning for a really boring oh. boring march to to <sighs> 12th or 13 yeah, probably just, getting ahead of myself probably March to 16th would be nice yeah it'd be uh, nice to have like 42 points in like April or something and just got yeah, yeah last month we're, we're fine here it'd be lovely that would oh imagine thing is I was looking at some stats of Villa post lockdown and pre-lockdown um, and the, kind of the main ones you look at are well the main ones I've looked at to kind of make this point are goals scored and goals conceded so before lockdown obviously we played 28 games we only played 10 post but we score 1.2 goals a game on average before lockdown and we're conceding 1.9 so pretty much what we said yeah. all season if Villa are going to win a game they've got to score at least yeah. two post lockdown we're conceding 1.1 goals a game a lot more tighter but we are we are scoring less but that probably comes yeah. factors down to playing less games as well and the kind of the the environment of how we're playing in football as well so I kind of tried to work out with some very basic maths which isn't how football is played at all what would Villa's season look like post lockdown form for that full 38 game season we'd score 26 goals which is very low but we'd only concede 41 which is 20 less I think than what we actually conceded in real life um, yeah we conceded 67 in, in the actual season we only scored 41 which is a low total really so I kind of can take from that as a contrived point is that we're not a million miles away from being that comfortable kind of 14th, 15th place. I've taken Southampton as the example. They've got Danny Ings, right? He scored, he's their main goal scorer. They only scored 51, 10 goals more than Villa. So goal scoring isn't a mega, a mega issue. If you can find a goal scorer that will score 15 goals. Villa's goal scoring stacked up pretty well against most of the clubs in the bottom half of the the table. So Um, you need a goal scorer. This is the frustrating thing, though, isn't it? Kind of two defenders as, yeah. as your coaching coaching yeah. staff. You know, cheap goals given away. Um, Villa's 22, 23 million pound centre forward got injured. So you'd have backed him. Even though he's not the most prolific, you'd have backed him to score. Two more goals than Samata scored. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. He would have. Um, so, yeah, the, these glimmers there. I mean, it's, a very, it's a very basic way to break it down. But Southampton are, I think they finished 12th. Um, and we had oh, I've not written it down I don't think oh they got 17 more points than Villa so what's the maths on that 52 yeah so Southampton got 52 points they only scored 10 more goals than us they conceded yeah. 7 less Southampton still conceded 60 yeah so when you look at those very basic stats and I know it isn't as easy to say score these goals and see these and this yeah. is where you'll finish but we've shown that we've tightened up at the back if we can add a goal scorer and continue with what we've seen since lockdown there's no reason to ju- suggest that Villa can't be yeah. 
a much improved side next year. Mid-table, mid-table mediocrity isn't that far away. It doesn't take a lot, um, does it? Because the standard is just fine great. margin. And as much as we're saying it's very frustrating that Villa were not frustrating, but we were so awful that we almost got relegated. We almost were not quite good enough to be safe either. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we weren't. We're not a million miles away from fourteenth place and being yeah. comfortable, but we also weren't a million miles away from going down on the last day either. Yeah, which makes, and again, I won't go into this in much detail, but it makes the recruitment so important because yeah. you're talking about Villa having to wheel and deal to just improve in small increments, really. You might have to spend big just to kind of enter that Southampton level yeah. twilight zone. You're 15 points away from a 50-point season. Yes, yeah. five more wins. It's not turning those draws into wins, holding on to games when you go ahead against Tottenham and Arsenal, having decisions go your way. Yeah. You're not a million miles away from being a, a steady Premier League team that shouldn't be, shouldn't be having to look over their shoulder at the back end of a season. But if football was that simple, then I've managed to put these stats together in half an hour. Is this a pitch for Suso's job? <laughs> if, I mean, if, they, if they want me. Um, I've, got, I've got no names or anything for who we need to sign. I'm just looking at the, at the pure figures. And I know, like I say, it's not that easy just to work it out and go, do this and you'll be fine. But yeah, what I'm trying to say is we're not a million miles away from no. from being somewhere. Be a little bit better and it'll be more comfortable is what you're saying. Yeah. Be a little bit worse and you'll go down. Okay. Yeah. Let's forget that bit. <laughs> a couple of quick fire questions we'll try and rattle through to, to round this podcast off. First one came in, Dean Smith, manager of the season, question mark. Not for me. He's definitely Aston Villa's manager of the season. Um, and thank goodness that the board kind of kept their nerve yes. and for, for the running. Um, I think he's probably got to get to, to Jurgen Klopp, given what he's delivered there after a 30-year absence. Um, it's interesting. It, it, are people saying Dean Smith should be manager of the season for the survival act, the rescue act that he's pulled off, which in itself, you know, perhaps he's manager of lockdown. Yeah. Um, but you you'd probably take it away from manager of the season because the fact that Villa needed that rescue act in the first place. Yeah. Um, I think he's, um, I think he's a lovely fella. I think he's, he's proof that, that good guys can win. Um, he's one of us, which does make the successes. Yes. All the sweeter. Um, but hopefully manager of next season. (laughs) Yeah. I think Klopp's the obvious answer. Chris Warder as a secondary shout to do what he did with Sheffield United um, yeah I think like you said for him to fully deserve plaudits for keeping Villa up from where we were but Dean Smith had a hand in Villa being in that position in the first place so over the course of a season yes he's done a great job to get us out of, out of it but you can't have him as a manager of the season throughout the entire league but like I said to kind of even manage Villa in difficult circumstances losing his dad throughout lockdown managing a football team and, and 25 different players throughout a global pandemic I imagine is difficult as well so to kind of come back make Villa more solid and do the impossible by, by keeping Villa in the league in the end is a, is a massive achievement so manager of the season part two yeah <laughs> manager of the first half of the season no like I say, manager of lockdown, yeah. He's, the question mark about Dean Smith is, is he a Premier League manager? Can he do it in the Premier League? It's been a very, very tense way of proving himself, but <laughs> he's done it in the Premier League for a year. He's yeah. an established Premier League manager for a year. Let's see what he can do next. Yes, agreed. Um, best goal of the season? I've got two here. Go on, let me have yours So first. for two different reasons, kind of aesthetically, and kind of my favourite looking goal, one that looked good on match of the day. Uh, Jack Grealish against Man United Old Trafford bending the ball around De Gea 
um, one I was there for as well, which is also a nice added bonus. Um, but kind of most important is the Conza slash Mings one against Watford. Last minute, a fleeting window in the season against one of your relegation rivals. Um, yeah, just a crazy, crazy moment and an important goal in the end as well. Give it, I'd give it to Conza, but I think it officially went to Mings in the end. But yeah, the most important that one, but kind of my favourite was uh, Jack against Man United. Yeah, I think mine, mine's a bit of a kind of a random one, really. I'm going to go for... That's not like you. Yeah, it's funny, <laughs> that. I'm going to go for Ali Samata in the... Um, Bournemouth. Not that one, though, funnily enough. I'm going to go for the one in the cup final against Man City. I'm, I'm a sucker for a diving header. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was very, very easy on the eye. Great ball in. I can't get my words out. So excited. Flung himself at the ball. <laughs> Covered you in flob, as I um, as I said that. Yeah, um, take, take that microphone home with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You might well be in the minute with a dental wipes. Um, yeah, just a, a, a beautiful goal, easy on the eye. And it just, at that moment, thought, oh, actually, we're not going to get turned over in a cup final 6-0. We're going to yeah. be competitive. We've got a chance. Um, you know, it proved the point that he, he is good in the air, even if his headers have to be kind of that high <laughs> for him to execute them. Uh, so that one, like I say, it's a bit random, but you stole the Grealish one. Um, yeah. I've also given you no prep to... No, to well, answer, it's, um, so. you know what my memory's like as well. I'll go with Grealish's goal against West Ham uh, as the... Oh, I couldn't even remember what it was then. As the important one, <laughs> yeah. because, you know, cometh the hour, cometh the man. Um, Villa would probably have still managed to get that goal <laughs> in the other end. They've probably still found a way of fluking the ball, into, well, you know, getting the ball in their own net. So, oh, can you imagine if that's the way it ended in the alternative reality yeah. that Villa lose 1-0 and it comes off Jack Grealish's deflection. Jack Grealish deflection, deflection. Yeah. So ultimately, it's the goal that, that kept Villa up. Um, yeah. So go for way. that. Go for that in terms of importance. And let's hope we, we see lots more Jack Grealish goals in a Villa shirt yeah, we'll talk, in the right net. We'll talk about that in the next podcast that we do in more depth. Um, player of the season. Is this an obvious answer just to say Jack? It's got to be him, hasn't it? He's got in the, the, the who scored team of the season this year for the Premier League yeah so he has to get has to be Villa's player of the season by default you know we've said that Douglas Louise is probably player of lockdown for Aston Villa um, with the way he's come roaring back but I don't think it's an exaggeration you know we were joking early in the season about kind of how his shoulders must hurt because he's carrying that team several occasions um, pre-lockdown where you've almost seen his teammates abdicate responsibility and said give it Jack Jack will make it happen give it Jack Jack will rescue us and on many occasions he took that responsibility on Um, I think he's he's grown up a lot I think he's become a a real kind of captain figure and a real leader Um, never mind his own ability and his own energy um, and his own personality just the fact that a young man can kind of carry the weight of expectation of a football club on his shoulders when it means so much to him Um, Nailed on any one, two, and three for me. <laughs> yeah, fair. Nothing else to add. Um, last question. I don't know whether you'll have a specific for this, but I kind of wanted to use this as a kind of a thank you, everybody. Um, so, favorite podcast episode. I thought you could say favorite podcast. Well, just generally. Yeah. yeah. Peter, Peter Crouch podcast yeah, is excellent. Probably something true crime <laughs> related. Um, Can you think of a, an episode? Is that too. Am I putting you on the spot too much there? Because they're, they're very much a much of a muchness, aren't they? That we talk nonsense for an hour and. Villa have probably lost <laughs> I'll probably go for one of the um, one of the ones we've done in lockdown one of the interview ones ah, okay yeah to fair. be honest I know that's a different vibe to, to, say, not what to me expected. and you yeah. chatting nonsense but 
the All Brighton one. Yeah. I really, really loved. Probably because it was a Friday night and we've got a kind of a current Premier League player and Premier League yeah. winner was kind enough to give us his time. It was uh, a long interview and as well. And we, we took full advantage of that time. We got him on for longer than an hour and he was brilliant. He kind of told us, very honest, very open, very yeah. funny, very articulate. Uh, lovely fella. Just, just that, just being honoured enough to kind of invite him into our living rooms or whatever or wherever we filmed it and and do it like that and then for you to just take the absolute (laughs) kind of liberty of saying Mark Mark can you hang on a minute I just want to come back I've got a fancy dress party that I'm late to (laughs) dress up as Jesus and him to take it in good spirit so I think I think it encapsulated what we're about you know we, we like telling good Aston Villa stories you know when we're lucky enough to get get superstars on to join us yeah. brilliant but even then we don't want it to be too even well we touch on serious topics we want to have a laugh along the way yeah. and I think that that kind of summed up that one for me I like that you've gone down the route of an actual serious football interview because I, I, I was just thinking about the ones that we'd done rather than kind of I, as much as they're our podcast there it's an interview isn't it rather than yeah. a kind of a chat about football I think in terms of an actual answer because I've not thought about this before myself the cup final one when we had the Adam Wright came on and you kind yeah. of looked at the memories of 94 yeah. and 96 and we had the tickets and the programmes. Yeah. I think that was a, a strong episode. One for me as a kind of, I got to enjoy it as the audience, as a, yeah. as a, a younger viewer yeah. that I wasn't alive or I was alive, but I wasn't there for those <laughs> yeah. games. Uh, was a good one. But I kind of wanted to include this question as kind of a general kind of thank you for supporting the stuff that we're doing yeah. over the course of a season. We've now completed a season with Aston Villa in the Premier League yeah. we weren't, didn't cover the whole thing so we didn't start till late but <laughs> the second half um, and I'm thankful that people have stuck with it in the way that I have I'm thankful for the support that we've got on the numbers that we get we're getting kind of six, 7,000 listens plus at the moment which is our highest probably figures. more to Villa winning than, than, yeah, than us maybe, yeah maybe the Man United only, episode did well they drew the weekend didn't they yeah true um, but yeah considering maybe that, it is us yeah exactly <laughs> but I had a few messages saying things like we did this the live kit one a couple of days ago when this comes out um, and someone kind of a couple of people messaged me saying how, like, how funny it was and I was just kind of to us that was a kind of bit of a throwaway jokey episode kind of here's half an hour chat kind of we'll film it and be done with it but you can kind of a few people said like they enjoy the podcast because you can kind of get analysis from Sky or BBC or other Villa podcasts or wherever it is but they can come to ours and kind of zone out a little bit which I do take as a compliment I know that I know it doesn't sound it the way I've worded it but I can kind of just kind of turn it on join in and kind of relate to us in a, in a way that we're not here kind of to offer stats and analysis and figures and no, that's, that's fine. I don't, you know me, mate. I don't mind else. being the Claret and Blue Court jester. Yeah, like we, um, we, we, we feel be, it, don't we? We want to be serious when we have to be. If it had gone down, and and this episode itself has been more serious than usual, given yeah. its fleeting moments, and the next one we do will be the same. But we still want to have a laugh with it. We're doing. We're talking about Villa for our, our job. We're not going to take ourselves too seriously. Yeah, I'm in my twentieth year. <laughs> of journalism and you, th- you must be thinking yeah Matt of course you started journalism as a five year old we my 20th year's journalism and in the early days I used to have to d- write about car boot sales cats stuck up trees court cases do you remember uh, the one when the guy had this. the glass pane falling on exactly yeah, yeah. The, that great story all these kind of things so you can't really laugh a joke about a lot of those things <laughs> yeah. we're in a, we're in a job now where we're lucky enough to, to write about Aston Villa if you can't laugh and joke about Aston Villa you genuinely would yeah. kind of go into meltdown yeah. so just reflect reflect a little bit of that the one thing that I wanted to say and this is probably something that should have been saved for a planning meeting <laughs> I would love us once 
the new season starts and we're back up and running properly and it's a bit of normality to the world I'd love us to have a live event and to, to, bring, yeah. to bring people in to, to get, get a former player in as a guest uh, to have a laugh with the people who have supported us yeah. uh, we might exactly even get a drink in for a few people oh nice that'd be a rarity for you to get a drink <laughs> for me let alone anyone else um, yeah it's nice because we, we kind of had I mean, this is going off topic a little bit but we didn't have any massive expectations for how this would go when we first started it and the, I think the numbers that we get and that we have got to be, I think it's three and a half thousand subscribers on YouTube. We're kind of a bit like Villa's promotion plans. We're a year ahead of schedule. We're doing better at this point than I expected us to be. So kind of doing the podcast, hopefully for uh, Villa's season next year in the, in the Premier League again. And Villa being a bit better would be nice as well. I'm all, I'm, I'm all, I'm all for it. I'm excited. Let's get it on. <laughs> all right. Steady on. Where's that plastic sheet? Um, <laughs> God. Should we call it a day? I think so, mate. Yeah, I've got to do what you usual and dash for another meeting. Oh, um, serious, isn't it? This, this football journalism, Lord. I'm telling you. Got meetings now. Um, we'll be doing a second episode. We wanted it to be kind of. We thought about doing it as one long bumper episode, but we've kind of run out of time. Um, but we want to do a season debrief, which you've just seen. And we're going to kind of look ahead to how Villa plan for next season in the Premier League. So, Jack Grealish, what's happening? What's happening with Suso? Who do we sign? What do we need to do? What's happening with the coaching staff? There's a lot of questions to be asked and we'll try our best to answer them in our usual... <laughs> in our, our usual, usual serious analysis way. <laughs> our usual man down the pub way. Um, so that'll be out probably tomorrow as you're watching this. If you're watching this in the future, then they're both out now already and you can do what you want. Um, so yeah, thanks for coming down. It's been a nice hour talking to another human being no, in nice. the flesh. Thanks for having me. I shall, um, I shall wash my hands at the door. <laughs> yeah. No, no connection <laughs> issues, no weird sound. It's nice to do this properly for a change. So, yeah. Should we do it again in a few hours? Yeah, sounds like a plan. <laughs> Okie doke. Right, thank you very much everyone for tuning in. We'll be back soon. And up the villa. Up the villa. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, up the villa. Up the villa.